Rewilding the mind. This is uh, also we can call it returning, returning the mind or returning the heart, returning chitta to its uh, to its nature. Its most fundamental nature. And as we all would acknowledge, uh, this mind, this heart, can be many things, restless, agitated, busy, sincere, inspired, purposeful, seemingly cantankerous, difficult to manage, um, mysterious, flickering, Stuck in stupid details. <laughs> Endlessly planning and scheming. Gnashing and gnawing over past problems like a terrier with a rat. <laughs> Impervious to one's begging and imploring it to let go. You really want to return to this? <laughs> so naturally, there's quite a strong impulse to get out of it. <laughs> but where, where do you get out of it? <laughs> we bounce against the edges and it's still there. What, what are the edges of that? The edges of, mm, you know, future, past, emotional edges, the limits of one's understanding, one's uh, feeling of frustration, or I can't get past this, can't get beyond this, or the edges. Mm, what can I do? How can I manage? The edges where it gets kind of edgy, fresh pressed. The edges of how much can I give? I really want to do. I really want to help. And the feeling I can't can't do it or can't manage it all. Recognition of one's physical frailty. You know, how, much, how long am I live? How much can I do? Recognition of one's emotional capacity. I, I can't. Just can't manage any more of this, it's too much. Mm. These edges. Mm. 
So even in just acknowledging some of these and the kind of edge, we call it the edge of the person, the edge of the person, their abilities, their uh, sense of being able to hold, to manage, to get things going, the edges of it. And we're encountering this, uh, I imagine, in several respects, respects with our concern for others, uh, model of our lives, what we're going to do, concern for the world, how we can get this meditation going. You know, we get the edge where the person starts to get very you know, flustered, busy, and then what happens there? Well, often the, the bounce is, well, go somewhere else, do think of something else, do something, or try and shut it down, or fix it, or make it another way, this bounce. And so we're kind of saying, well, you know, right at that edge, it may be not comfortable, but it's actually, there's an there's a opportunity there. This is the edge of suffering. In essence, there's an opportunity there. Mm. Oh, pause. It's really slowly, if you can bear it, just pause. Try to soften, widen. Recognize that quality that can soften, widen, that has a, believe me, it has a capacity. Mm, slow down, take it slowly. Mm, the movements that want to take you out of it into, or oh, now what do I do, or What's this supposed to be about anyway? Or and just just soften, widen, pause, keep soft, widening. Recognize, you know, there's a, there's a change of tempo in that. There's a change of speed. The change of intention. It's now at this moment instead of going forward, rushing forward, or going back, collapsing back, or flustering around looking for. A, an answer, or who's to, who's to blame here, or something wrong with me, instead of these kind of labyrinths of self-forming <coughs> sankharas, maybe something more formless. And, uh, you know, if anything, just Resonate goodwill, resonate patience, goodwill, very equanimity even, just a sense of, a, well I've tried everything else, <laughs> and then just abide in the unknowing, with a sense of, well, trust this, and slow down into that. Sense you want anything you know to support your sense of simple texture of embodiment. 
maybe not any particular detail, but it could be the rhythm of breathing in and out, or it could be just the sense of the simple earth element that there's this body here, there is a body. As it says in the Satipatthana, just awareness there is a body. No detail, just that kind of simple sign as uh, something to to stabilize the, the flusterings or the agitations. And then opening, surrendering, trusting, awareness. Perhaps some of those sankharas, some of those uh, reflexes may pause or subside. Some may get more agitated. How long do I do this for? Does this mean this or does it mean that? Widening, softening, calming, soothing. Called noting being fully aware of the citta-sankhara, these uh, responses and movements of citta, fast, crazy, whatever, soothing, calming. It's all right. It's okay to feel like this. We're at the edge. It feels like this, these edges. Dukkha feels like this. Limitation. And there's breathing in, and there's breathing out. There's this body, there's embodiment. At the edge, noting, ah, this one, this is the mind affected by irritation. This is the mind affected as it shifts. This is the mind affected by feeling fed up with all this. Mind affected by frustration. Mm. This is mind affected by a deep yearning for happiness or for well-being for oneself or for others. It's like this. This is the mind affected by the desire to know. Get it right. It's like this. This is the mind affected by. This is when he feels really contracted and speedy and busy. And at moments, this is the time when it oh, seems slower, more spacious, less restricted. Oh, this is the mind affected. This is the mind when it's uh, welling up with faith or enthusiasm, abundant, rich. It's the mind when it's affected by the opposite. Closing down, struggling. This is the mind 
This is the mind when it calms. Feeling a simple single texture, soft, bright, resonant, free from ill will constrictions. Like this. It's always affected by. But what is it? How can there be so many effects in a day, in a lifetime? So many effects, so many responses, and yet it goes on. Clearly something is beyond effects and responses, because that it goes on, it doesn't stop. More things unroll, unfold, roll out, move, shift, tangle, beguile, exasperate. It goes on. <laughs> and when you go to sleep at night, you can feel it all maybe subsiding slowly. It goes on. Energies change and shift. Various images, dream states roll through. The energies pick up. You feel a brightening, a certain sharpening. Open your sense doors. Awake. It goes on. So returning to that which is always here, always goes on. What would it be like? And just play with it. What would it be like without this particular effect? There's this effect. I acknowledge that. I'm clear about that. I'm not making anything out of it. It's just there. Uh Uh-huh. And without this, what would there be? Even, why do you have to keep engaging with it? Returning to nature. Returning to the fact that it was the most natural thing, the most natural feature, birth and death. Birth, generation, blooming, arising, welling up, taking form, fading, crumbling, fading out. Nature. This is the nature of that which moves in time, goes through that, around us, within us, slowly, rapidly. We focus on the specifics, but also every specific goes through that rhythm. Aware of arising, welling up, birth, maturation, generation spreading out into other things, like seed heads blowing off a a blossom, a dandelion, and then the original thing fades. Into what? Where? Fading? Ending? Moment? Pausing, the moment of the end, end of the out-breath, the moment with the thought, 
you know, subsides, space in between a thought, sound of this voice and the silences, how there could be no hearing without the silence. Could be no ability to discriminate forms without the formless. You can only notice because of the space. So, jitta is really mm, boundless. And we, by and large, tend to colonize a particular area of that sensory, social, domestic area. That's, the, that's our, ter- our normal territory uh, with its stuff, dramas, and joys and sorrows. Habit yeah, that. Um, let's not make an issue out of that, just the fact that that's there for all of us. And there's a, a beyond that, that which can know or be aware of that. Truly, the that we only by and large colonize one certain area of citta. Citta is always bigger, wider, broader. Actually, has more potential in it than the, the rather narrow area that we run around on. Mm. This narrow area that we run around is bordered by certain features. It's, it's framed by what are called a sankara. They are both, there are many things we can say about these. They're the, those the particular quality, ethical qualities. Mm. Skillful, unskillful, play. You know, ethically, they are volitional qualities, they rush, or they falter, or they zigzag, or they seem jar and keep repeating themselves, they've got a volitional push to them. They galvanize our attention. They attract. We are like, like puppets being strings being pulled by these. With some skill we can moderate how, we, how we're steered, how this how our functional mind, how our mind is steered in this particular area. We can steer our personal world to somewhere happier, more skillful, more useful. Still, this is volition, intention, one of the primary aspects of Sankara, the one that really we always sense. Once you get it in, once you get what it means, it runs into your body, it occupies areas of your throat, your face, your chest, tangles in your abdomen, rushes into your eyes, it zooms around. And somatically you can sense that. Gives you a way of mapping 
rather than purely assuming that's me, I, who do all that running. This is an energy rushing through. And that's a great um, thing to really get, because we take it so personally. My anger, my fear, my busyness, my doingness, my impatience, my intolerance, my... Yeah, and then the good ones. Also personally. But the person is the result of those reflexes, and certainly part of how those reflexes get reiterated. And how are they reiterated? Another important feature in perception, they recognized the particular contact impression. Oh, and then that gets classified in some way. Contact is also a sankara, it's a certain sort of bell goes off as an activation. An activation. Oh, that's that. Oh, that means that. Oh, that means I am. That means I'm not. So this kind of activation is called the two kinds of contact. There's the contact which is just the raw, simple impression of something landing. And then there's another kind of contact, which is called designation, which is a, a ringing, a resonance, a bell rings, and you get what it means. Designation contact. And that's uh, sankara. There's a sudden rush around in the classification of perception. That's that. Sometimes the perception arrives, and then again there's the activation, that perception is reiterated, emphasized, or slightly modified. And you get to know what an orange is after seeing this strange ball. You know, you get that kind of, it frames up through this process. Something lands, something resonates with it, forms a perception. Next something comes along, check the perception, this one against the previous one, another resonance, not quite, issue, a little bit more like this, it's a shifting. So that process, and you notice when you meet somebody for the first time, or the second time, or the third time, and they go, how, how, is, how is he? Am I okay? It's sort of shivering, of trying to, how's this fit? And that's uh, perception, and what's called designation impression, Hardly the most user-friendly term. Um, how is this? Feeling it. How is this? How is this? And then, mm, from that, the intention. How do I get it right? How do I get it? How do I make it right? What's the proper thing? What's the okay thing? That mm, sankara, volition, intention. Mm, so it goes. And this is the way we, we firm up our social world. Mm. Certainly not just with other human beings, though of course with nature, you learn about rivers, you learn about trees, you learn about animals, and you get more 
okay, now I know how to deal with that. And must be very careful with that. Because you never really know. But you, you get a bit wiser, but you never really know. And you want to be you want to be clear about that. <laughs> Don't let the perception become the reality, because those perceptions themselves are also, you know, how do they arise? Where do they come from? How do you know anything? How do you recognise anything? Because originally that perception was associated with a pleasant feeling or an unpleasant feeling. Oh, that means you can eat it. Oh, that's nice. That means you can stroke it. Oh, that was nice. Mm -hmm. So your perception, oh, nice, pleasant. Therefore, next time you see one, oh, pleasant. Mm -hmm. That's how people get damaged by wild animals. You know, you get a little cuddly teddy bear. Nice furry stroke. <laughs> you know, if you're still very young, young person, then you can imagine that's the reality of a bear. Mm. Furry stroke, cuddly. <laughs> People get killed like that, and children get mauled by that. You know, taken to zoos if you don't look after them. So, you know, perceptions are conditioned through feeling, through through contact impression, through his designations, and then you follow the designation rather than, wait a minute, check, check, okay. You want to always live with that slight vibration of uncertainty, not panic. So your intentions are mindful, searching for truth, mm, imbued with uh, skillfulness, not these reflex. So, you know, intention is an important thing to be spacious about. Not to be frightened of, but to be spacious about. Because certainly we can shift that intention towards wisdom or clarity or compassion or all kinds of things but remember that one definitely is a very significant feature of how our lives get formed and very often or not often but often enough those impressions and perceptions are associated with dukkha and then the intentions Either, well, put up with it, defeated, can't manage, look the other way, or, you know, not welcome. Not welcome. Seen in a, seen in a very negative light. Pointed at, scorned. Mm. Oof. Notice that perception around other people or big people or little people or women or men or whatever. Oh, feel that one. Uh, 
we just recognize the kind of way that what happens there. We kind of close, we form a mask, we become small, we, you know, or maybe we feel resentful, angry, or we feel uncertain. Movements of volition at the edge of where we feel easy and comfortable. It's bouncing around. And those, those, those learnt patterns abide in us. You see what a clock can do. You know, a little piece of gadgetry with numbers on it. And hand clicking round and those numbers and hands. You get so triggered by being late or too much time or how long to go or you know well, because those things have been very significant we get blamed if we don't follow them mm. taking up too much time so perceptions triggering and this is our contact impression designation is a sankara that frames our world. So intention, designation, you know, bind us into particular patterns as anything else that we can work with. Another powerful one is called attention. It isn't the attention when we say pay attention, be attentive, which is a different quality. Heedfulness means wake up. This is attention as a a boundary, a framework, or a boundary around the mind. So it means focus on this particular object and screen others out. So it's a normal function. Focus on a hand, or a body, or a cooking pot, or a tree, or a landscape. That's that. And you know, nothing else. Attention. And so, very often, a normal, uninstructed person, because of the rewards and the threats of the sensory world, focuses on that. Their attention is moored to the sensory world. This is reality. This is the real thing. This that you see is real. It's the only real thing. This which you taste and touch is the real thing. Nothing else. Your attention is fixed on that. Because that's where the Praise and blame and happiness and unhappiness have come from. So your attention gets conditioned by the sensory world. And, of course, many other things. The primary. So this thing that we see, this is definitely my body. You see hundreds of them walking around. They're all bodies. There's people living in them. That's real. Yeah. There it is, Yeah. Even though we can logically conclude, well, yeah, it does change over time. And, you know, when she cut her hair, she was still there. It wasn't Where was she in her hair? She cut her hair. Was he in his fingernails when he cut his fingernails? <laughs> How come he's in his body? If you chop bits off it, and he's still, is he still there or not? So where is he in the body? It doesn't make sense. Either, oh, it doesn't matter. For working purposes... You know, if I put a finger into his ribs, he jumps. <laughs> so he must be in there somewhere. 
certainly there's a profound connection, but it's not to the physicality, it's the, to the sensitivity. In, we could say the intelligence or the receptivity, you know, we jang- with the jangling, that's what we attune to. It's only poking you in the ribs and you were, didn't have a nerve there, you wouldn't jump. But it's, so it's what's the nerve or the tingling or basically the, the immediate shift that occurs there and the response to that. And you can recognize, you know, you touch somebody's hand, physical contact, someone you don't like, your hand draws away. Someone you like, your hand rests in it. Same old contact. <laughs> but the designation and is very different, isn't it? So our attention which says things are just this, just the sensory world, no, that's not true. And yet we are so held in it through custom and convention and social um, mannerisms and ways of being. Attention frames what you're going to be aware of. And uh, it's a sankara. It conditions, it, it, it limits, it uh, steers, it uh, determines what's going to be responding to, that which your atten- attention. And then occasionally notice something comes out of the left field. Quite a lot of the time, something you weren't attending, didn't have attention on, suddenly some strange mood comes up. And you oh, wait a minute, what's that? Sometimes uh, an image rushes into your mind when you're sitting, having a cup of tea or something. Oh, that wasn't on the script. I was supposed to be just sitting having a cup of tea and his moods r- rushed in. Oh, yeah, so attention is continually being um, proved to be just an artifice. Things happen you weren't attentive to, that you didn't decide upon attending to. Isn't this the case with meditation? Yeah, well, breathing in and breathing out should be easy. Just sit there, nothing else to do. Focus on breathing and breathing out. And <laughs> where did that come from? How come I'm thinking about yesterday? How come I'm remembering with regret something else? You know, or because your attention <laughs> is a condition, and it seems to be first of all, you know very much tethered to the sensory realm, but then we begin to, with some introspection, recognize, no, it's tethered to karma, to things that have moved me, affected me. And sure, when I'm going to work, things that move and affect me are the traffic, the car, um, other people, ideas of where I'm going. It, it really holds me in that, with a little bit of awareness of my mind states. So to meditate, that's gone. You're doing a different set of conditions. What's the what's the overall quality of that? Attention is fixated on cause and if karma, on things that move me, affect me, I feel involved with, hurt me, you know, make me feel happy. Stuff with karmic potency. But attention is conditioned by that, into that. And uh, 
you know, as I said, this is about getting to the end of karma. Not even in the future, which is the way we can understand it. Maybe in three lifetimes I'll have finished all my karma. Okay, ten. Well, you know, <laughs> hundred maybe. When it's all worn out, just got to bear with this in a few decades, I suppose. Oh, and then rebirth, oh my goodness, not again, more of it. But who knows? I have some still residual optimism that I might get to the end of it. I've managed to get through it out of a few bad habits. But the end of it is not in time. Although, I'll grant you, it may take quite a long time to get to the place of timelessness. The end of it is actually by widening around the karmic trigger. Don't let your attention get gripped and fixated. Recognize there's always space around that. There's always a knowing, an awareness of that. Mm. So you go, you begin to question your attention, your attention boundary. It's not about getting more and more fixated on anything. Primary practice is to loosen your attention around things that you get gripped by. And Viveka. And that's uh, not can happen in, well it might happen in the future of course, but it can happen now, depending of course on how poignant and how much karmic, how much reactivity, how much potential is in there, in what arises. And for sure, some it's pretty fruitful, you know, it's got a lot of seeds blowing in there. So yeah, but then don't go at their speed. Don't go running around trying to catch dandelion seeds in the wind. Stay where you are. Hold the space. Don't let your attention get running after all the proliferations that worry, sadness, irritation can throw up in you. So all the whys and wherefores and do's and these are the, these are the dandelion seeds blowing in the wind from the root quality of dukkha. Hmm. So, now there can be, this frames us, doesn't it? We feel sometimes held by our karma, heirs to our karma, stuck in our karma, for bad and also for good. Karma doesn't mean both the way we act, and of course, what affects us? Old karma, what affects us? New karma, that way we act. So, you know, a beginning practice is, well, first of all, to acknowledge that this is, nothing's going wrong. It's just these waves are coming up. And is it possible to just pause and widen the time boundary now? So you're not rushing forward to make anything happen or pushing it back, you know, okay. Check, look at, contemplate, recognize the reactions, if you can. Slow down, feel how they run into your body, 
your somatic sense. So you're taking some of the personhood out of it, some of the mentality out of it. Okay. Widen. You can widen there because you can feel the running into your solar plexus or your throat. And you don't like that. But, okay, there's that. And now here's the wider aspect of the body, the tips of the shoulders, the palms of the hands, the legs, the feet. Holding the frame, widening your attention. Letting the karma, the vipaka, its track, its energy, its tingling, its pressure, holding that very broadly. Hmm. And keep cultivating like that. Some of this stuff is, of course, very reactive. And we do ourselves a great service if we can direct our karma creative potentials into just making this body a suitable ground for contemplation. You know, so much of our practice, samatha, is just smoothing, cleaning the ground as best we can. The ground of the heart, the qualities of goodwill, calm, self-respect, virtue, ethical integrity, cleaning the ground. Cleaning the ground of the body through Entering into somatic sense, the earth, the air, the fire, the water, the pressures, the uh, tightness, the looseness, and beginning to smooth and spread and soften and widen and work that, find the balance in that. You're making that a suitable ground that can hold, bear these surges of uh, sankara. So your attention, you deliberately shift it. So it's no longer something that's always under the sway of old karmic habits, of old fixation habits, of old, you know, this is exactly all I am. This is my life habits. You know, where you rip, your fo- mind gets focused down on one particular unresolved piece and that becomes the total story. One particular obsession, one particular addiction, one particular fantasy, one particular plan, one particular memory, and that becomes a total story. Because that's also the nature of mind. That which you give attention to becomes the dominant theme in your mind. So attention is a condition, and it's not a lightweight thing at all. That which you give attention to becomes the dominant theme of your heart. So much so that no matter how much anybody else tells you otherwise, your attention will always trump that. They can tell you you're fine, you're wonderful, we love you, you're great, everybody gets like that. You go, uh huh, thanks. And your attention knows otherwise. <laughs> it's that. Uh, yeah. So all the 
goodwill in the world. It's really your attention, intention and contact are the ones you've got to, you know, begin to fathom what's bit what I'm talking about. Perhaps you do. You know, perhaps you do. If you if you do, maybe you just need to keep remembering it and living it. And oh yeah, I see what you yeah that in there, and also in that one too, because the nature of sankara, their, their potencies have such a strong the colouring of them, that the the particular particular personal details of them are so mesmerising, so entrancing. So statistically provable <laughs> that we go in there, and it's true. Once you once you believe them, they become even more true. Because you, yeah, if you want to continue being that person, you, you know, it's very easy to do so. <laughs> Sankaras will certainly be completely on your side. So yeah, we'll help frame you up in that particular state. <laughs> if you want. Yeah. So, meditation. Or mind cultivation. Cultivate skillful intentions. Cultivate skillful contact. Contact that is assured, reassuring, not dramatic, no big deal. Mm. Not in a hurry. Mm. Start to trigger, remember, deliberately generate skillful designation contacts such as, you know, other human beings are trying like I am, they are good intention like I am, they are keeping precepts like I am, they make mistakes like I do. You know, be compassionate. I mean, just recognizing there's quite a lot of dislodging of our perceptions of human beings that have to be undertaken, you know, to reset, because it's true, there's a lot of stuff out there in the human form that's only marginally human, (laughs) in some cases, just really very strange and frightening. So Sangha and Kalyanamita, so helpful just to sit in that domain and they're not perfect, and they are irritating at times. But then you give your attention to, well, he's not violent, he's not drinking, you know. He may get a bit edgy or at times, but he's not kind of actually physically doing anything to me or saying anything unpleasant. Okay, maybe that's just his stuff working its way out. And that's just the way, you know, her body or her heart is operating at the moment. A little bit more of that. Yeah. And just that stopping, pausing, recognizing one's been affected, perhaps irritated, perhaps confused. Okay. Yeah. Not to dismiss that. Yeah. Calming and then waiting till that's to subside. Then can we reset? So you never finish until you've finished piece of karma. Karma affects, first of all, your own immediate, you know, unwillingness to acknowledge that you're being affected. You know, I shouldn't be bothered. 
but you are. <laughs> okay. And then how is that? Agreeable or disagreeable? Would you like more of it or less of it? You know, it's not whether you can put up with it or bear with it or want to dismiss it, but just notice, is it agreeable or disagreeable? You want more? You'd like that to happen again? If you don't want it to happen again, it's called disagreeable. If you like it to come back again, that's called agreeable. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, just give it the test. And recognize that none of this stuff is really irrelevant. It may be some just tiny little thing that you think isn't important. Everything is important if you're affected. Because everything that affects you tells you something about designation, your reflex reaction, and your attention. The way that becomes a big thing for you. And it will be. And that as a big, that will then re-establish or set a particular perception in train. That will then predetermine how you respond the next time round, or to the next person, or the next whatever. You know? So this is, you just check. You know, I'm getting things about food, or things about people, or things about mm, myself. Memory. Mm. And so this is the, the framing of all of our personhood, attention, intention, contact. When you start to cultivate those, cultivating attention, I mean, learn how to flex your attention, not just the jump from one thing to the other which is the normal way we might operate our attention or look the other way or forget about it or doesn't really matter or ride over the top of it. That was an embarrassing piece. Quick, move on to the next piece. <laughs> you know, get away from that fluttery feeling. No. Pause. There. Don't move forward, don't move back. Widen. What's happening? Now. This is the way that you, right now, begin to get to the end of karma. You let that karmic wave rush up, hit you, and then hit the mind, rather, the chitta, widen to the wider chitta, the wider sense of heart. And every time you do that, you're ending karma. And so until certain things don't get you anymore, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It do, you don't even notice it. It doesn't impinge. Bangs, crashes, doors, people. What's that got to do with me? And then you realize you finish something. Something's been finished. So, yeah, then take, acknowledge that. You can be aware of that. So all the time, this undying quality of awareness is there. And our sankharas keep shuttling within that, 
building a territory we call the person, the personal world. And every time we acknowledge an element of that, any element, any silly element, and widen to awareness, let awareness lead attention rather than contact. Let your awareness lead, guide your attention rather than sankara, rather than the conditioning process. It means you have to first be aware that what's happened has happened. Pause, don't jump into the conditioning process whereby something becomes big and perceptually established for you and your reactions rush into places that you're not very happy about. Move attention into awareness, measureless chitta. Can you get to the edge of awareness? You can get to the edge of attention where you can't quite get it. You can't quite frame it up. You can't quite get it in your screen. You think of the universe. Sometimes this is what it's like when you go out in vastness of nature. You can focus on details. Oh, there's that tree, the hill, or the rock, the mountain, the stream. But you can't quite get it all in. <laughs> there's the feeling of widening. Take it all in. Then there's the coolness, or the air, or the space, or the cleanness, or the exalt, or what's happening in your heart. The feeling of awe. And you still can't get it all in. There's something a bit more than that. If you really look, if you really attend, something more than that. You can get to edges where you you feel, you know, this is what you can take in. And that edge, this is all I can do, this is all I am, this is all I can take in. That edge, you can be aware of. So the edge of attention is not the edge of awareness. Attention occurs within awareness. You try to get to the edge of awareness, there isn't an edge. Anything you notice, oh, the edge of my awareness is as far as I can see. Yeah, but you can notice that's as far as I can see and you can be aware of what happens there. Wanting to see more, uh, you're aware of that. So your awareness deepens, widens. You don't get to an edge of it. You think you found the edge. That edge occurs within your awareness, doesn't it? Otherwise it wouldn't be an edge. <laughs> you can sense you're within this. With this within, what's the other side of that? Every time you come to the edge of your personhood, you can know, oh, this feels like the edge. This is all I can, this is all I am, this is all I Notice that. That's occurring within your awareness, isn't it? So all dukkha, all the elements, all occur within awareness. And your awareness is bigger than that. You can't measure it. We touch into the true nature of jitta rather than the conditions. 
qualities, the conditioned aspects of it. So mesmerizing, entrancing, disappointing, binding, changing, shifting, unreliable. And there's awareness of that. This isn't just the thought process. This is why we are really, or I'm encouraging, you know, mind much more as a sensitivity, something that can be sensed in the body, sensed as the space around your body, sensed as the, you know, the non-sensory description of the body, something that's much, it's a different quality allows your bodily expressions, your bodily senses to arise and pass within it, is not ashamed, is not frantic, is not bothered, but is there. Sensitivity towards the mental realm, not excited by it, not ashamed of it, not frightened of it. Awareness, that which can take us or open beyond birth, the arising of things, passing, death of things, seeding, proliferation of things. And this is uh, just this movement, or this allowing. This is where these, uh, you know, through Dhammavijaya's understanding, scrutinizing, examining how things happen, the nature of dhammas, the nature of that which triggers, which potentizes, which becomes the direct hit. And then there's dhammas that ceasing of those, passing of those. Mm. Mindfulness, investigation, a sense of awe, Wonder, openness, it becomes rapturous, thrilling. Mm. These are how the, the equal the enlightenment factors. And these are worth, or their, their experience is worth stabilizing oneself in, steadying oneself in. These lead to the samadhi of awakening and the equanimity of understanding. Samadhi of depth and the equanimity of understanding. This is all it was about, really. This whole life has just been this. Just a set of tests and challenges to open to. Karma can end. So, as you're practicing today, sitting, standing, walking, remember walking, very um, highly recommended naturally when we gather together with sitting because we want to come, you know, listen to a talk or whatever. It's a bit, bit chilly outside at times, so naturally there's a tendency to want to sit and we feel perhaps more grounded in the sitting position. But make also making walking uh, a viable means for awakening. And you just make it simple, just how does it walk? 
what, what does it walk through? Very as simple as possible, simplify. It's just the body, something that can move, is moving through and the quality of space. And it's got a rhythm to it. And it only, it's only operating now. Reset walking. And it has to be consciously reset because our walking is set around the idea of going somewhere. I am going to the kitchen. I am going to work. Or a purpose. I've got to get there in a hurry. Or anything like that. It certainly generates that particular mode I am stuck on anything is a constriction, is a condition, is a narrowing, is a bondage, is a fetter, is to be abandoned, unnecessary, not for one's welfare can be done. As soon as you start to imagine, I'm walking, I'm walking for half an hour, acknowledge that, there's nobody walking. I am, cannot walk, only bodies walk. You set up the intention, step back, how does a body walk? How does it lift a leg? How does it move an arm? How does it synchronize? How does it get comp- steady in its own rhythm? Avoid, acknowledge, relinquish the idea I am walking. It makes it an opening to wonderful space and uh, release. <laughs>